So if you guys are ready upstairs, please turn everything on for me. Let me know when I can get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome. As we continue on in the study we're doing of the New Testament, we're working through it a chapter at a time. And uh, we're in the book of Acts now. We've done the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're working through Acts together. Uh, we, did, we actually kind of did Luke just before this one. We took John out of turn uh, in, the, in his order so we could do Luke and Acts together because they're written by Luke to Theophilus. Um, Luke records for us in the Gospel of Luke, the, the ministry and life of Jesus. Here in the book of Acts, he records for us the activities of the early church. And, you know, as I always say, the connection is that you're, you're the church. We're the church. And so we're directly connected to the activities in the book of Acts. And we are not writing any more scripture or canon. We're not adding to the book. But in essence, we continue on in the book of Acts. The book of Acts continues on today in the church. It's, it's the recordings of what happens. And, and so when we're out doing stuff... In our culture, telling people about Jesus, we're just as much a part of the early church as, you know, as they were in that process. And I, I want you to make that connection. I think it's very important to see what's happening as you read the things that uh, happen in the early church and the things that are going through, that you, you get the, the connection that they're still happening today. These things are still happening. God's still at work. The Spirit of God is still leading us. Um, the power of God is still present. Uh, people are being changed and, and miracles still happen and that all those things are, are available to us as we go out and uh, uh, tell people about the kingdom of God and uh, fulfill the mission he's given us of one more, getting one more lost child back to dad. So we're, that's what we're all about. And that's all Book of Acts stuff. And uh, uh, so, you know, as you, as you read it and as you study it, connect with it in, in that way. Um, in the book of Acts, uh, you know, there's sort of uh, themes that Luke writes uh, through the process. And in the beginning, you know, in the very, very beginning, um, it, it took us through uh, the, the uh, ascension of Jesus and then the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And that's where we're at now. You know, historically, it's 50 days since this is Pentecost right now. So if we all, you know, get this would be as good a time to go as any. We'll see what happens. Um <laughs> We're ready? Supposed to live ready, right? Okay. So, um, so that Acts chapter 2 and the church begins as the Holy Spirit is poured out and thousands are added at that point in time. And then in Jerusalem we see the church steady grow. Uh, and we, we kind of mostly see the ministry of Peter there in the beginning. Key players are introduced along the way. Stephen and his persecution which started the spread of the church out uh, as Jesus told them it would. And, and then... Um, the Apostle Paul comes in as Saul, and we see his conversion, and, and then we found out, you know, how the church in Antioch started, and that's kind of where these missionary journeys that we're up to now are based out of, uh, is out of Antioch. And uh, we've, there's been one missionary journey already, and now we're in the middle of the second missionary journey that Paul's on. This time, Paul is with Silas. Remember Paul and Barnabas, who went on the first missionary journey, have a little falling out uh, over John Mark. Uh, which will eventually get resolved and healed, but at this point in time, uh, they they both went in different directions, which, you know, it's doubled the amount of stuff going on out there. Uh, Paul and Silas are the main characters right now, along with Timothy, who's the young guy that's kind of come in to replace John Mark. He's on this trip with him. And uh, 
they are spreading the word wherever they go. We left last uh, at the end of chapter 17, where Paul had been in three different uh, places, Thessalonica, and then uh, over to Berea, and then into Athens. He was there in Athens by himself. As Luke 18 starts, uh, all of a sudden, Paul just gets up and leaves Athens, and Paul, uh, Luke doesn't tell us why. But just must have been something. He gets up and leaves, and he heads over to Corinth. And that's where we're going to do a lot of our... our uh, reading today, Corinth, and then you're going to get introduced to Ephesus, and you, you meet some more key players today, pretty cool. Uh, in Acts chapter 18, we're going to meet uh, Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos, and uh, they will be prominent characters, uh, figures in the New Testament, and they're all introduced to us today. And Corinth uh, is very different, this as we read it, uh, the Corinthians, you see all these towns and let that's where the letters and the epistles all come from, as Paul's writing uh, back to these churches that they start. Uh, uh, Corinth, is, Athens is considered a center of like high learning and culture. Corinth is a, considered a place of commerce and sin. Um, that's what it's known for. In fact, the terminology of the day for people who were going out to cause trouble or who were living that kind of lifestyle, it was actually being called, they were going to go and Corinthianize. <laughs> so whatever term that would be today, that was the term used back then. That's the reputation that Corinth has. And so when you, when you begin to read these things, and, and later as we dig into the rest of the books, you kind of remember what was happening when they were in these cities because all of the letters that are written are relating back to these places and times as Paul helps the church that he starts with issues that they face. And Corinth was a very interesting place um, because of, uh, of its wild sort of standard and, uh, and, and what they believed in. So uh, we're going to see that as we... Uh, but, and as you see me read too, um, you, uh, Paul, while he's in Corinth, is teaching in his synagogue and he, ultimately the people get mad and kick him out. And uh, he shuts up shop right next door, which I think is funny, uh, in the home of a, a believer. And there's some good results from that. Okay, that's kind of a, a prelude. Let's uh, dig into Acts chapter 18. Uh, 28 verses, I said, won't, shouldn't be real long. Tonight, uh, all, the, all of it fit into your bulletin in a fairly uh, readable font. Because um, there's only 28 verses. So you can read it there, or you can open your Bibles and read along with me. I'm reading out of the New International Version. Acts 18, verses 1 and following. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. I told you Luke didn't give us much information. There he met a, a Jew named Aquila, and a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath he reasoned in a synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. But when the Jews opposed Paul became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am clear of my responsibility. From now on I will go to the Gentiles." And then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue ruler, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, 
and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. Now, that probably had to be very comforting to Paul because you've, you've already seen on these journeys that he's been beaten and stoned and all sorts of stuff along the way. I'm sure it was like, oh, thank you, Jesus, when he got that one. You know what I mean? So he stays there a year and a half. <laughs> hey, I'm going to receive that and stay here. So Paul stayed for a year and a half teaching them the word of God. When Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, uh, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him into court. This man, they charged, is persuading the people to worship God's in, in God in ways contrary to the law. Just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If you Jews were making a complaint about some misdemeanor or serious crime, it would be reasonable for me to listen to you. But since it involves questions about words and names and your own law, settle the matter yourselves. I will not be a judge of such things. So he had them ejected from the court. They all turned on Sosthenes, the synagogue ruler, and beat him in front of the court. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Gallio showed no concern whatever. <laughs> Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed, sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at Sencria because of a vow he had taken. They arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church. That would be in Jerusalem. And then went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, which is the home church, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously, pardon me, he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Okay. So neat stuff is going on here. The, the, the missionary journey. Um, remember, P Paul had gone to Athens by himself. And he was kind of waiting there for uh, Silas and Timothy to join him. Uh, but Silas and Timothy were helping the new church that had just started in Berea. Uh, and uh, so they were, they were kind of tied up there. And Paul didn't just sit around. He got busy with the Athenians, you know, he was, and he was preaching the gospel when he could. And he got in this big debate with the philosophers, which was really cool. Some of them believed, but we, like I said, Luke doesn't tell us that a church got planted there at the time. And, and so um, Paul, I guess, figures he's done there, and he leaves. He's still by himself um, when he goes to Corinth, which is about 50 miles away. And uh, as I said, much different than Athens. Um, in it's, it's the whole way that it, it comes off, and the uh, the people in Corinth they worshipped Aphrodite, who a false goddess of love, and um, they promoted immorality as as their form of religion. So that's the setting 
that Paul is walking into. And uh, he records for us, when he writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, this isn't in your notes, but you can write down the address, I'll read it to you. Uh, he said this, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. So Paul just kind of gives us an idea of how he entered into Corinth, and, and uh, you know, that he was a little, uh, there was a little anxiety about going to a place that had the reputation that Corinth had, um, uh, and, and the way it was. Uh, it looks like he's still alone at this time. The guys aren't with him yet, uh, but he feels led to go there, and... Uh, so that's where he ends up. So Paul is in Corinth, which is like this, this, this major city of iniquity. That's the only way you can identify it, all right? Every possible sin that could be... Um, it's like being in Vegas. No, no, that's a bad analogy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I apologize for that. Pick the worst spot that you can think of in the world where sin abounds. I, 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 I don't mean to pick on Las Vegas. And, uh, and uh, actually, we have a really good vineyard there. Um, see, it's a good thing. So, so uh, pick somewhere like that where, where see, it's a, it's a place of commerce. People travel in and out. They actually go there and they, they, you know, they're doing business deals and they're making money. And then, and then they're just, it's more like Washington, D.C. No, I see, I shouldn't have said that either. See, that's wrong. It's just wrong. And I apologize. Please, please, please erase the tapes. Um, you get the idea. So, so this, so he's, he's, you know, this is what he's moving into, and it's, it's concerning, alright? But he meets pretty quickly there in verses 2 and 4, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Now these two, this couple is gonna play into a lot of stuff. In the early church, these are. This is an important um, connection that he makes, and um, they're Jewish. They're from Italy. They they just been uh, forced out of Rome by the Emperor Claudius, who who wanted all the Jews to leave, and they had left in response to that. Um, we're not sure um, be, by the way they were introduced if they were already believers. They could have been because he they were still introduced as Jews, but they could have been believers at the time. Or if Paul leads them to Christ. Either way, the connection they make immediately is that they're tent makers. And, and uh, that's their, their occupation, is that uh, Aquila and Priscilla were tent makers, which, which we, we believe means they worked with leather. And that, that um, whatever they did with that. And Paul did that as well, and that was the connection. And uh, most likely, uh, Priscilla and, and uh, Aquila would have had uh, their shop sort of at the bottom of their residence, and they lived upstairs, and they invited Paul to live with them. And they became kind of his team there for a while uh, in... in uh, in Corinth. And so uh, it says there that uh, while he's there, so Paul is supporting himself by being a tent maker, and every Sabbath he's going into the synagogues and he's preaching about Jesus. And that's what he does. And that's his pattern. We've seen it. And we know that he goes and he, he always starts with the Jews. If there's a synagogue, that's where he starts. You've seen the pattern now. Um, it's a great starting off point because there's places in the synagogues for what they call God fearers, which are uh, non Jewish people who believe, though, in Yahweh. And they're there as well. And so it's kind of a, a jumping off point, usually for the ministry to the Gentiles as well. So, so he's reasoning in the synagogues. 
there uh, in Corinth. And then, uh, uh, and he's working. Then in Acts uh, 18.5, Silas and Timothy show up. And what we'll find is they bring in, uh, when we read the other letters, they bring in offering from Berea, Macedonia, with them. Because when they show up, Paul quits tent making and devotes himself full-time to preaching the gospel. He gets involved in the mission full-time. He doesn't have to, because there's, he doesn't have to support himself anymore. He devotes himself fully to the mission that he's on there in Corinth. And so, uh, as he does that, and his team's arrived now, and he's got Priscilla, and he's got Aquila, and and Silas and Timothy have shown up, you know, the the team's sort of around him. Um, As in the other places, the, the... kingdom of God is being, you know, developed, and things are going well, and God's moving, and then Acts 18.6, you know what happens next? The religious leaders get jealous. That's a first, huh? Just like in every other stop. That, see, and again, just like with Jesus, they, the people who are supposed to represent God ignore the fact that God is at work, because they don't like what it's doing to them. And so they decide to put a stop to it. And so it says they get abusive with Paul. Uh, whatever that means in this situation, I, I'm, I'm not sure. And, and Paul just says, you know what? I'm done with you guys. And, and uh, <laughs> I, I love it because he, he, doesn't, he doesn't leave like he's in some of the other towns. He's left. He just moves the whole ministry next door to the synagogue into the home of Tideus Justice. And he starts doing the same thing there, right next door. I love that picture. And, and his impact is such that even though uh, many of the, uh, the religious leaders didn't care for it, the synagogue ruler comes to Christ in the process because Paul hangs in there and he, he's able to reason with these guys and point to the scriptures about Jesus and, and, and move through all the process and the power of God is present and, and miracles are happening by the Holy Spirit and all these things are taking place. Uh, so this guy Crispus and his whole family believe in the Lord, get saved, and so do many of the Corinthians, it says. So there's a, there's a big movement of the Spirit of God and the Kingdom of God, and the church takes hold there in Corinth. And so, uh, and then Paul gets his vision uh, from the Lord in, in verses 9 through 11. Like I said, it had to be very, very comforting from the, from the Lord that, that uh, he, he specifically tells Paul, okay, you can stay here. Don't worry, I'm not going to let him get you. And, uh, and that, like I said, it had to be great news because he's really been going through it. Chased and run out of town and beaten and stoned and whipped and all the things that he'd endured. He just says to stay there. And so he does for a year and a half to really get this church grounded. It's a long time. It's, it's, uh, on his journeys, it's probably the longest place he stayed other than when he goes to Ephesus. He stays there a couple of years. So he's there for a long time with the new church. So, uh, so things are going well, and, and like I said, they never let it rest. Um, the, the, the religious leaders try and stir up trouble for Paul, and this time they try and go through the court system to get him. And so they approach the, um, the proconsul who's there, which is a, a Roman position, and his name is, is uh, Gallio. And so they, they try and use the Roman court system to silence Paul and to get him stopped and, and here's, here's what's interesting see that under Roman law the Romans when they, when they occupied um, countries which they did they had a pretty unique way of doing it is that they would pretty much 
after they defeated their armies, they would allow the existing structures to maintain themselves. So they would allow sort of the, 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 the ruling parties to continue to rule as long as they were paying taxes back to Rome. They would garrison their soldiers there and they would tolerate pretty much whatever was going on there before. And so they, they didn't crack down on existing religions, but what they did do was make it illegal to start new ones. That was where they drew the line. And so what the, the Jewish leaders were trying to convince this Roman proconsul was that um, what, what Paul's group was doing wasn't a part of Judaism. It was something completely separate and different, um, which it was in, in one hand, but yet in the other hand it wasn't. It was more of a completion of Judaism than something completely different. Um, but the, and this is, this is significant, what happens, is that the Roman proconsul says... No, this isn't really any of our business. And so we're not going to get involved. And, and kind of for the Roman government, he says, we're not going to determine that Christianity is illegal. Very significant uh, over time that that happens. Because that's in effect what he says without saying it. And he says, you guys just deal with it yourselves. Um, and whatever you work out, you work out. And so uh, I get a kick out of it because what they decide to do is this guy Sosthenes, um, he's the new synagogue ruler because Crispus got saved, so he's out of there, right? He's hanging over next door. And so Sosthenes, in order to try and appease these guys, comes up with this whole court scenario. This is my thinking. And when it doesn't work, they take him outside and they beat him up. Don't you love that? (laughs) Now, it looks like, though, And I don't remember the reference, but we'll read it in one of the New Testament letters that it looks like Sosthenes ends up getting saved because he's mentioned. So all it took was, (laughs) what's a good beating by the people who can listen to him? (laughs) I want Jesus. (laughs) So um, God works in all those things as well. But it's it's a pretty significant deal what happens there. And... uh, and, and so there's, there, there's something very important in the process that uh, you need to be aware of. And so, the, you know, um, the church uh, really existed in, in, as a part of Judaism for a long time. Um, uh, not a separate thing, but more of a completion of it until, you know, that it became very separate 300 years or so later. Um, but that's what's happening in the process and, and how you understand how the Romans are working into this situation where pretty much they kind of allow a lot of this stuff happen locally and they don't get involved. Um, you saw it really with, with Jesus. They didn't want to get involved with that either. But then they just did because of they, he gave in to the crowd ultimately. So um, th- this is the process that goes on. So, so we have that taking place. Um, it reminded me of... Uh, you know, in, from 95 to 2005, we did a lot of mission work in Cuba, planting churches. And um, uh, there was a similar situation there. They wouldn't, they wouldn't start, you couldn't start any new groups in Cuba, legally. They, there was 39 groups established or something before the takeover, and those were the 39 that were there. And so you couldn't technically go in and plant churches. But what, what the Lord did, see how and God always works, because you have to respect that, because you get in big trouble going and doing stuff you shouldn't do in other countries. And um, what, what the Lord did for us, though, was um, we, he, he led us to a group of the 39 that was one church. That was all that was left. 
And the guy who was left there was just like us. We connected with him, and we were able to go and plant churches through that group, uh, which was really cool. So uh, I was reminded of that when I talked about because they, they, they wouldn't allow it, and yet, but if it was an existing group, you could, you could, they would leave it alone, more or less, within reason. They, they were very oppressive, but still, they allowed that to happen. So um, you, you get sort of the idea that a lot of these things that happened 2,000 years ago happen today in different ways in the whole process. Okay. So uh, in verse 18, Paul gets a haircut <laughs> before he heads home. I could leave it there, but that's really not all that happens. Um, at some point, Paul takes a Nazarite vow, which means they don't cut their hair. Uh, that was part of a Nazarite vow. And um, for whatever reason, for some length of time, they would take this vow. And apparently Paul had done just that. And now before he heads back, apparently whatever he, that was all about is, is completed. And so he gets a haircut before he heads home because you may wonder why, why did of all the things to include in scripture isn't that kind of funny Paul gets a haircut really <laughs> it's not that big a book alright <laughs> anyway that's why uh, and he heads back towards Antioch which is his home church um, and he's, the second missionary journey is coming to a close um, just as a note while he's in Corinth he actually writes First and Second Thessalonians so when we get to those letters, at this period, this year and a half that he's in Corinth, that's when those letters are written. Uh, as he writes back, see, because they remember in the last chapter 17, he started out in Thessalonica and they started a church. And as those churches have issues, all the letters that you're going to read, starting with the Corinthians, are letters written in response to problems happening at the new churches. And when you understand that and you read them, they begin to make sense. That so he's writing all these, he's writing these letters back to issues, that, that they're experiencing very real issues. And um, it makes a difference when you, when you read it in that context. It's very important to read the epistles in that context. The, the Pauline epistles have to be read in the context of letters that he's writing to to situations in churches, or else we can m make them say things that they shouldn't say or don't say. All right? So, uh, so, but they're written in response to these places they've been to on these missionary journeys where they've started churches. Okay. So uh, uh, he leaves Corinth, verses 19 through 22, Aquila and Priscilla, they accompany Paul as far as Ephesus. Um, Timothy and Silas stay back there in, in Corinth uh, for a while uh, to oversee the churches there and, and go back and, back and forth to that one and the one in Berea and Macedonia. So they're overseeing all those churches. You will read more about that. And uh, Paul and, and Aquila and Priscilla, they end up in Ephesus. Paul's very well received in Ephesus in the synagogue, it says. And in fact, he's so well received, they ask him to stay. But he, he says, I can't right now, but if, if it's God's will, I'll be back. And that's how he leaves them. God, God's will. Deo volente. Remember that, Saint? God willing. I'll be back. And uh, um, Aquila and Priscilla stay there, though. And... We'll read more about them in just a second. And then uh, Paul stops by Jerusalem, greets the church there, heads back to the home church in Antioch, and he spends some time there. And that ends the second missionary journey. Right there. Boom, done. That's the end of the second missionary journey. Um, and then verse 23 is very interesting, is that the Luke begins the recording of the third missionary journey, just kind of out of nowhere. It starts again. Number three starts by saying, well, Paul took a break, he went back to Antioch, and now he's going to head out, and we'll read more about Missionary journey number three in chapter 19. The last 
few verses there in Acts 18. Um, Luke is talking about events that happened primarily in Ephesus because that's going to be the next sort of missionary target is Ephesus. And, and uh, it looks like Priscilla and Aquila have a church going there. Um, that you know that they've started and, and sort of been watching over uh, a very kind of small a beginning and this guy named Apollo shows up and Apollos uh, is a uh, very learned man it says he's a very gifted speaker um, he knows about Jesus to an extent but only up to the point of John's baptism he doesn't know about the Holy Spirit and the things that have happened since and so um, I like the fact that, that Priscilla and, and Aquila, they hear him in the synagogue and they get that he's got this gift uh, for speaking and reasoning. And they invite them to their home. And, and then once he comes over to the house, they have this discussion and they sort of catch him up with the rest of the stuff. I like the way they handle that situation. They just say, hey, why don't you come hang over at the house? And, uh, and then they give him the rest of the stuff. And he, he gets it and he's obviously been sent there by the Lord. And he wants to go um, to Corinth to preach the gospel there, to be with those. And they say, yeah, that's a good spot. You should go there. And so off he goes there for a while, and uh, he helps with the church there in that area. And so that's pretty much Acts 18. We'll, we'll catch a break today because there's only 28 verses, and we won't be late or long. Um, really neat stuff. We'll, next week, read Acts 19. We'll dig into what starts happening there in missionary journey number three. And we'll read more about Ephesus, which is, you know, the Ephesians start making the connections with all those places you've been. As you're going to see those Pauline epistles begin to make sense when we dig into them. The Corinthians and the Galatians and the Ephesians and the Philippians. Uh, all right. And uh, uh, the Colossians. All those are places that Paul ends up planting churches. And then he writes back to them to help them on their journey. And the wisdom that he gives from the Holy Spirit is still helpful to the church today because we're still in that process. And we have a lot of the same issues. Isn't it interesting, really, how 2,000 years later, when you boil it down, we still got the same issues? Pretty, pretty fascinating stuff. Same stuff. And, uh, and so that's what's going on. Okay, if you're watching my video, thank you for watching. And uh, we're glad you did. If you need anything, call us, write us. We can see what we can do. We're going to uh, pray here uh, before we are done. But uh, we're going to shut off the video with you guys. And uh, we'll finish up here. And we'll catch back to you guys next week. Okay. Um, if you have